Hello everyone. Um, what a different place we find ourselves than when um, I uploaded the last summary of our Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, Bible study from Wednesday night. Um, we do find ourselves in a little bit different place, and maybe um, the messages from Ecclesiastes will ring even a little bit more true to us in the, just the position we find ourselves, just kind of a questionable position and uh, a little bit of uncertainty. Um, we know always in the midst of that uncertainty that, that, that God is over it and He's in control and we can rest in that um, and in all of life, and that really is the message of Ecclesiastes, uh, the fear of God is, is so important. So all that being said, um, the elders have asked that I continue um, the remainder of our study through Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be doing that um, the first time will be tomorrow night, which will be March 25th. Um, the video that we'll put together tomorrow will drop at 7 p.m. Um, for you to watch as we move through our next portion of Ecclesiastes, um, the rest of of chapter 7. Um, so the summary I'm going to be giving today is over Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 1 through 12. This is the study we went through on March 11th. And uh, so we'll take a look at that and hopefully people will take a look at this as well as catch up on the rest of the summaries that we have um, to get prepared for uh, the video tomorrow night. Uh, so let's go ahead and begin. And um, again, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 11 through 12. And what I'd like you to look at, first of all, uh, and read is the first six verses of Ecclesiastes 7. And I'm going to go ahead and let you read that, give you a moment to push pause, and then um, come back to me and we'll talk about these verses. So go ahead, push pause. Okay, we're back. Hopefully you've had a time to read verses 1 through 6. Um, and the message of that, if you're going to boil it down, would, would come down to this. There is a middle path between idolizing wisdom and despising it. Um, and what we would look at in verses 1 through 6, the wisdom that we get from understanding the reality of death. And here's a question for you. Which event better focuses the mind on living, birth or death? I think we'd probably all come to the conclusion that uh, the event that better focuses us is death because it's a reminder of us that, that life is precious as well as the fact that it can be quite short. So as we look through these verses, um, verse 1 it's basically this, um, just like a good name is better than, than a good ointment or a good perfume because a good name lasts much longer, um, death is a better reminder of, of focus on living um, than birth. Now you jump into verse 2 and uh, what I'm studying from is the New American Standard. And near the close of that verse you see um, the, the translated word is heart. Um, I'll read that for you. It says, better go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, because that is the end of every man. And the living takes it to heart. Um, that heart, the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew word for that that is translated into heart is leb. And it's much bigger than the English word for heart. Um, and we, we, we think of when somebody takes something to heart, um, our mind usually goes a certain place. 
understand in the Hebrew it's a bigger place than where we probably go in our minds. Um, this this Hebrew word can can depict thought, uh, memory, inclinations, resolutions, emotions, and passions. See, is it's a bigger word, and it says that the wise person takes to heart the house of mourning. Um, there are two houses, and one is better. First of all, it's not that the house of feasting is bad necessarily. When we read in chapter 2 verses 24 and 25, it tells the author, the preacher, Koalith, tells us that to eat and drink and enjoy that, um, for tomorrow we die. Um, and the point of that is this, these are gifts from God. Um, the, the sustenance that we have that we've been given from him is a gift from him, and we are to enjoy that and take comfort in that. Um, the problem is when people make the accumulation of things their goal and their pursuit. It's the pursuit of those things and finding purpose in that that we find ourselves in a problem. So, um, But it says there are two houses, one the house of feasting and the house of mourning, and it says again that the house of mourning is better. Now, verse 3, we're going to come back to it. We're going to skip over that just for a second. Um, in verse 4, you're going to find um, the word uh, mind there. And the New American Standard says, The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning. That word could be translated once again. Originally, it means, in the original language, it means heart. And we're going to see that again and again throughout our study today, this 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 thought of the heart, of what's going on in the inside. And verse 4 tells us that the heart of the fool calls pleasure home. In other words, that is their focus in life, um, the the seeking of pleasure, and that's where they're going to make their home, and it's, it's vanity. Um, there is nothing fulfilling in that in the end. Now come back to verse 3 for just a moment. The word that New American Standard says, sorrow is better than laughter. For when the heart is sad, the heart, for when the face is sad, the heart may be happy. Um, this word sorrow used there in the New American Standard, in the Hebrew it's kaas, and it is anger is the is the direct translation of that and it often in the old testament is a word that is referring to god's response to sin so it is a righteous anger an anger that 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 our response to that anger should be not only fear but also should be um, the godly response to that type of anger is repentance so we're going to get a little more into that here in just a moment um, before there, before we leave verse 3, though, think about this. Um, sometimes you can wear a sad face, but the heart is happy. And just for a moment, I'd like you to maybe see if you can think of an example from life. When someone's face might be sad, but the heart is happy, or the heart is, is at a place of contentedness or peace. I think if you thought around that long enough, you could probably come up with an example. Um, verse 3, as I've already told you, sorrow, the Hebrew for that is kaos, anger. Now we're going to see that word used once again in verse 5. It said, it's better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than to listen to the song of fools. Um, the rebuke of a wise man, that rebuke, that has a strong connection to kaos of verse 3. And saying this, anger is better than laughter. And you might be saying, well, what is the author, what is the preacher getting at in that koalith? What he's getting at is this, rebuke brings the possibility with it of change, of repentance. And only the wise people appreciate the rebuke. 
The fool does not ever appreciate rebuke. Only the wise does. Now, you get in the second part of verse 5 and into verse 6, talking about the song of fools or the laughter of fools. Um, Got a question for you. Verse 6 says this, As the crackling of the thorn bushes under the pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This, too, is futility. How long does kindling last? Maybe you've built a fire before, whether it be a campfire. Maybe you heat your home with with wood fire, with a fireplace or an insert or, or a wood stove. Um, the kindling has a purpose, but it doesn't last very long, does it? Listen to this closely. Um, I read this a few weeks ago in study for preparing for this lesson, and it's this. Only the deeply lost fool, when confronted with his idiocy, prefers ridiculous, flattering laughter to redemptive disapproval. There's a difference between a fool and a wise individual, and it's this. A wise individual appreciates redemptive disapproval, which is this. It's that righteous anger, which with it in the wise person brings about repentance or change of direction in life. Um, The fool does not understand that, and the the koalith, the preacher, is telling us it's better, so much better, um, to be wise than to be a fool. You see, um, there's a middle path between idolizing wisdom, that's not what he's talking about here, and putting it on a pedestal, and the other side of it, completely despising it, which what a fool does. There's a middle path to be taken, and that's what he's telling us about in the first six verses. Now I'd like for you to read, I'll give you a moment to, to press pause here in just a second, to read verses 7 through 10, and, and just take a look at that, and, um, and then we'll go through those verses here in a moment. So press pause, we'll give you just a second um, to read verses 7 through 10. Okay, hopefully you've had a moment to read um, verses 7 through 10. And um, that could be summarized in this way, reality's effect on life. Um, Recognizing the brevity of life, we should live life seriously. Um, Verse 7 is interesting because it's talking about the wise person and that even a wise person must be careful because they're not above corruption. And the the influence of fools is is very powerful. And uh, matter of fact, Paul um, speaks about in 1 Corinthians 15, and he, he says something that, and he actually used a little bit of quotation from Ecclesiastes when he says this, um, bad, comp- bad company corrupts good morals. And he says, do not be deceived, for bad company corrupts good morals. I mean, we have to be very, very careful in the presence of those who are unwise that our wisdom and our values are not compromised. And you move into verse 8, and it's basically just talking about patience and how important patience is. Patience is a mark of a wise person. And and the preacher, um, who I believe is Solomon, speaks often about this in Proverbs, in his Proverbs about um, how patience is a mark of a wise person. You get into verse 9, and you see that word heart again. As I said, we're going to see that a number of times in this passage. And then it says something interesting. It says, Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Um, anger residing in the bosom of fools, um, this this thought of idea of holding something close, like, like someone would hold a child um, needing warmth very, very close. A, a fool holds on to anger and keeps it very, very close so that it is ready, that fool is ready to unleash that anger. And the interesting thing about verse 9 is the exact same Hebrew word is used that was used in verse 3 and referred to in verse 5, kaas. What is the difference from verse 3? Because in verse 3 it's talking about this anger is better than laughter 
chapter how it can be a good thing. Here's the difference. Anger, in verse 3, it was referring to anger being directed at foolish behavior for the purpose of repentance. And in verse 9, it's talking about anger in the context of impatience and arrogance, um, which is never a good combination. So then you get to verse 10, and it's interesting. We've all probably heard this at some point, and we probably even said it a few times. Oh, those good old days. I just wish it was like it was back in the good old days. Um That's nothing new. People have said that for generation after generation. Here's the thing that the preacher makes clear to us, Koalith does. He says, "Um, to ask why the past is better than the present, even if true, is to ask a question of very little value. Um, There are much better questions to ask. Uh, and probably most importantly, if things are bad, how can we change it? How can we how can we lean upon God? How can we ask Him to bring about change working through His people? See, there are better questions to ask. All right, we're going to wrap this up today with verses eleven and twelve. Going to give you a moment to read those again. Ecclesiastes seven, uh, chapter seven, verses eleven and twelve. Just press pause, read those, and get back with us here in just a second. Okay, in verses 11 and 12, what we see is a comparison contrast between two things in life. And those two things are this, um, an inheritance, which is basically what you receive. Um, Most of the time it's not earned, it's given. Um, And it's something received after someone dies. And then the other side of that, you have have wisdom. And there's value in both. And um, what we get here in... um, In verse 11 and 12, as we see that wisdom is a protection just as money is a protection. And that protection, literally what that means in Hebrew is to be in the shadow. Um, And it's something that's used a number of times in the Psalms as well as other places in Scripture. Psalm 91, um, the 91st Psalm, talks about resting in the shadow of the Almighty. And what that's talking about is being in the protection under the watch care of the Almighty. And so, so this protection, you can receive some protection um, There's between, from wisdom. There's also protection that be received from an inheritance or money. Um, there's similarities between wisdom and money, how they can be a protection. Now, if times get bad, money is, is a source of, it can be a, a protection. There can be things purchased. You, you, you know what I'm talking about here. It's very practical thinking. Um, wisdom can also be a protection when things are difficult. Um, here's the difference between, there's similarities between them, but the difference is, is this. Money doesn't last. It runs out. You use it, especially if times are difficult, and many times it's not being replenished, um, and it gets used up. So the protection is limited, whereas wisdom, even when things can be difficult, wisdom can continue to be protection to those who who live by it. Um, again, not worship it, but just live by it. Um, Just to wrap this up today, I'm going to give you three verses to take a look at. Um, Proverbs speaks to this very much so. And um, I'm going to go those to you just slowly so you have a time to press pause if you would like and read them. Um, uh, Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Proverbs 11, 28. Proverbs 4. Chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, where specifically the author of Proverbs, Solomon, is urging his son uh, to grab a hold and and to, to, to see the value of wisdom. So, 
in summary today, um, there is a middle path right where we started. There is a middle path between idolizing wisdom and despising it. And that middle path is where we need to be. Wisdom can be protection. Wisdom can can show us in part that, um, that life is valuable and um, we need to live life um, seriously because we never know when it's going to end. Um, appreciate this that that the the preacher Colif gives us this wisdom that he bestows upon us in these verses. Now, um, again, tomorrow night um, that wraps us up for now. And tomorrow night, which again will be March twenty fifth, um, there will be a video for the next section in Ecclesiastes we're going to look at as we wrap up chapter seven. Um, that video um, should drop right around seven p.m. tomorrow night. So I hope you can join us then. And thank you so much for joining us today.